Christ and welcome to Concord Matters, a show that seeks to be united in our confession of the Christian faith through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says it well from Romans chapter 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We seek the same harmony that Paul talks about by the Holy Spirit through the study of the clear and concise teachings which are in accord with God's holy word confessed in the book of Concord. I'm your host. Brady Finnern, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for joining us on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. We've concluded the six chief parts of Luther's small catechism, and this is a unique time because I remember as a kid going through confirmation, they got through the six chief parts and, well, that's it, move on, confirm your faith and take communion, this is all good. But there's another part, other parts actually to go through simple instructions, and today we'll focus on prayer. Something that is unique about prayer is that we think, well, prayer is easy, talking to God, but yet it is so difficult for us. So we have instructions, basic instructions in Luther's small catechism for praying in the morning, evening, before and after a meal. Well, how does this look? And maybe, have you ever done this before? I didn't grow up doing this, but now it is a major part of our family's piety as Christian people. So if you're anything like me, we always need to go back to the basics, and that's exactly what we'll do today. So open up your catechism, get out your Bible, and let's start confessing, and maybe pray as well. If you have any questions concerning our study of the small catechism, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Joining us in the Confession of Christ is Pastor Mark Bestel of Calvary Lutheran Church in Elgin, Illinois. Pastor Bestel, welcome back to Concord Matters. Thanks so much for having me, Brady. Pastor, let's just get right into this, is that when we look at prayer, we are very blessed, and I would encourage our listeners to go back to uh, our, our parts of the Lord's Prayer in the small catechism, but it states, it states it very well, which I think begins our time today very well, in the introduction. God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true father and that we are his true children, so that with all boldness and confidence, we may ask him as dear children ask their dear father. Pastor, how about this? We begin looking at these examples of prayer to talk about what is prayer. Where would you want to start? Well, I think the uh, a great place to start with prayer and, and what it is and what it depends upon is this idea of the boldness and confidence that we have in coming before God. How do we do that is usually the question regarding prayer. How do I come before God in prayer? And I think to, to teach people rightly is not to necessarily start with the habit itself, but to remind them of the doctrine that forms the habit. And so the, mm -hmm. the how is not so much a process as much as it is, if you will, a person, and that person being Christ, that no one can call uh, uh, God Father except through Christ, right? Jesus says in John 14, no one comes into the Father but by me. Uh, and yet no one can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so you have a very Trinitarian beginning, in a sense, to be able to, to pray our Father who art in heaven, to pray with all boldness and confidence, because, because we pray in the safety of Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. You think of all the different passages that talk about uh, both the Son's uh, involvement in prayer and the Holy Spirit's involvement in prayer. 
And that's what gives us the boldness and confidence that prayer does not depend upon us uh, uh, so much or, or upon our righteousness or the value of our prayer, the merit of our prayer, as much as it uh, can, can be uh, calm and confident, uh, knowing that Christ intercedes for us. Hebrews chapter 7, right? It talks about the fact that Jesus always lives to make intercession for the faithful. Uh, uh, Romans uh, 8 reminds us that the Holy Spirit uh, uh, prays for us with groanings too deep for words. Um, uh, Galatians 4 is another wonderful one that talks about the idea of the adoption of sons. And, and as Christ uh, adopts us in holy baptism to become his own uh, uh, brothers and, and sons of the Father, uh, then therefore those who become adopted sons of the Father may call out uh, Abba, Father, as Christ gives us his Holy Spirit to do. And so what boldness and confidence we can have in prayer, specifically because we know that we pray through Christ. The one outside of Christ not only has no confidence in prayer, but is not heard in prayer. Right? The, the, and so though our discussion today is on the daily prayers, we can, we can uh, get a jumping off point, if you will, for the daily prayers and confidence for the daily prayers grounded in the Lord's Prayer in that phrase, Our Father, that the Christian may pray Our Father in the way no one else in the whole world can, uh, because we have that great confidence uh, in Christ who intercedes for us. We have that, uh, uh, that great gift of faith that is worked by the Holy Spirit who intercedes uh, uh, or who prays with us and, and forms our prayer. So I would say that the, that the boldness and confidence in prayer starts with the person, starts with Christ, starts with the gift of, the, of, of his Holy Spirit. Uh, and that sort of forms then the how of prayer, the purpose of prayer, uh, the the uh, the understanding that the Christian has of prayer. So you can turn it, for example, to before even getting into the habit. What about the purpose of prayer? What's it What's it for? What's it all about? Uh, when I teach the catechism, and you're right, Brady, in your intro, you said, you know, we we used to. It seemed like you only had enough time to teach the six chief parts, uh, and if you don't work real hard at it, you don't save enough time for sections two, three, and even four of the catechism. But when I teach the um, Catechism, what I ask the students to consider is that the first section of the catechism, what we know as the six chief parts, is really in a sense broken in, down into the first three chief parts and the second three chief parts. The first three chief parts, Luther says, teaches us the doctrine of the Christian faith, that is the word. The second three chief parts teach us about the sacraments. So here in the, in the six chief parts, you have the word and the sacraments. You have uh, the, the gifts of God that create and sustain faith in the heart. Uh, those gifts of God that are given to us, especially in the divine service on a Sunday morning, are not just to be learned, those six chief parts aren't just to be learned by the confirmand just for Sunday morning. But the question is then, how does that go out into the week? And so section two is faith in God. And section three is fervent love of one another. So if you think of that, that sort of mental chart that you can have there then, the first six chief parts, word and sacraments in the divine service, from that flows, as we say in the post-communion prayer, uh, faith in God and fervent love toward one another. The faith in God is prayer, right? There's, there's the piety, as you were talking about, there's the piety of, of daily life, which is to say, I live all of daily life with faith in God. And because I have boldness and confidence before God, then all of daily life can be grounded in prayer. And, and then the, the uh, section that you'll talk about uh, next time, uh, the, um, the table of duties, there's fervent love toward one another. 
And so if we see how the catechism really lays all of this stuff out for us, now we can see that, yes, prayer has a very daily life purpose to it that flows from the word and the sacraments, the gift of faith and forgiveness, and therefore boldness and confidence before God in heaven. Uh, that comes then to the purpose of prayer. What is, what is its purpose? And sometimes people start with the idea of, well, God commanded it, and uh, uh, he makes promises regarding it. And yeah, that, that's all true. Um, I think one of the great passages actually to start with when it comes to the purpose of prayer is Philippians chapter 4, because it really gets to uh, the, the three main things, I think, that, that prayer is all about. Prayer, again, is not a two-way street. Uh, it's it's us talking to God, and yet in prayer uh, we have uh, this wonderful blessing God has given uh, in in prayer to call upon His name. Uh, and Philippians four says it this way: Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. There, there's the there's the joy and the confidence that move us uh, to pray. Uh, it goes on. It says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So they're the they're the first two, I would say, chief points or purposes behind prayer. One is to to make your requests known to God, to to uh, to make your supplications to God, to petition God, to lay your complaints before God. Uh, this is exactly why he gives prayer. Call upon me in the day of trouble, he says in, in the 50th Psalm, uh, and I will deliver you. Uh, that we should have every confidence and boldness to come before him with our petitions, with our requests, with our supplications, knowing that those requests and supplications you know, they, they might not always um, uh, be exactly uh, what the Lord has in mind, uh, but uh, nevertheless, we pray through Christ. And in a sense, uh, Christ cleans up all the messiness of our prayer uh, and, and, and lays those petitions before the Father with his merit and his righteousness. But the second one we said was thanksgiving. Uh, uh, certainly, and, and sometimes when people talk about the uh, the layout of prayer or the the uh, you know uh, uh, the form of prayer, they will put Thanksgiving first, and they'll say, "All right, prayer sort of starts with a, um, a salutation to God, or or a, um, uh, yeah, a salutation. I think is is a good way to put it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then it and then a Thanksgiving, and then based on that Thanksgiving, a a petition. Okay, th- that's fine. So you got Thanksgivings, which are a great reminder for us that in prayer, we should thank God. How often do we pray? And we pray because, oh, I've got this surgery coming up, or I've got this illness or something, and and we're afraid, and we're concerned, and so we pray out for what we need, and then we forget to come back later and pray for Thanksgiving when God delivers us through it. And so uh, Paul is absolutely right uh, that by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving, uh, thanksgiving should always be a, a ground in prayer because we have every every reason to be thankful. Uh, the third thing that I think we, that perhaps we don't teach often enough is the last uh, part of this verse, which we know more a little bit uh, at, at, uh, as being used at the end of sermons. And that's this verse, the, mm. p- the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That, I think, is the third reason for prayer, is that prayer conforms our will to God's will. Uh, and, and that's a really important point for people to keep in mind, that prayer is not about us saying to God, here's what I want, and I expect you to do my will. Uh, God is not a vending machine in the sky. Uh, and and uh, in prayer, our prayer is, conf- or our will 
is very gently conformed to God's will because prayer, in a sense, forces us or moves us to use God's word. And if we use God's word in prayer, then uh, then we are going to use his will, and it's going to conform our will to his will. Uh, if you if you want to say it this way, Jesus is the example of this. We don't always talk about Jesus as an example, uh, but but certainly we can see him as an example in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, when he prays, if it is possible, let this be removed from me, this whole hour, this cup, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Uh, and, and so uh, this idea that God's will is what brings peace and confidence and boldness to us. So that that last verse in Philippians 4, in this section of Philippians 4, that yes, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a very comforting part of prayer. That, that prayer calms us, not because it's some sort of a, uh, you know, Eastern meditation or something like that, not because it's some sort of a, a calming exercise uh, that, that people have thought up, uh, but rather prayer calms us because by using God's word and employing God's word uh, and, and uh, uh, calling out to God with his own word, it conforms our will to his will. Um, Peter says it this way when he says in his epistle, humble yourselves therefore, under God's mighty hand, so that in due time he may exalt you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That casting anxiety on him, that's prayer. And yet in that prayer, we humble ourselves before him. We don't pray with a pride that says, you better do it my way, but rather we pray with a humility that says, thy will be done. And so I love that passage at the end of the Philippians 4 passage there. I love that verse. Again, we so often hear it at the end of sermons, nothing wrong with that at all. But if we think about how prayer uh, guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, because in prayer, God is using that as an opportunity uh, to conform our will to his will. That's sort of how we sometimes teach the Lord's Prayer, is we might point out that in the Lord's Prayer, the first five lines, including the introduction and the uh, four petitions, the first five lines Jesus is basically uh, teaching us to think on the Ten Commandments, uh, that God's holy will. Uh, and then once we see that we have not kept God's holy will, then we pray that that next petition, forgive us our trespasses. Uh, and, and that leads us to forgive others. Uh, and, and so you, you see how in this prayer then, and in the theology of prayer, uh, re, uh, thanksgiving, requests and supplications, and yet uh, prayer then conforms our will to God's will, and it gives us boldness and confidence and patience to await his will and his timing. Pastor, I would, I would first of all, thank you for, as we look at prayer in such a way, because for you, our listeners, it's important that we often go quickly, especially in this section, quickly to, okay, how do we do it? Okay, there it is, done. Okay, go to bed. Uh, okay, we're done. Let, now let's eat or let's pray so now we can get done with this and go and do something else. But the theology that we went through very thoroughly, I would say, in the, the Lord's Prayer was summarized just beautifully for us today. So I would encourage you to look up the passages that Pastor just mentioned. Romans 8, Galatians 4, Hebrews 7, uh, 1 Peter 5, Philippians 4, which I would tell you what, 
is that verse 7 is such an important piece. One for the sermon, because it's almost like you're ending um, with a prayer. Uh, you are ending with a prayer for the people, a blessing for the people. And also for us to connect that to prayer, I don't think I've ever fully done that. You always have 4, 4 through 6 as kind of an example of how to do it. But then verse 7 tops it off exactly what God is doing through prayer by his word. Pastor, before we start digging in, any other highlights you want to have about prayer itself and, and the theology? I would simply say, I guess, that the other highlight to the theology is, is simply the abundance of mentions of it in the scriptures. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. just can't go through the scriptures without hearing Christ say something of it, or the apostles say something of it, or the Old Testament uh, uh, prophets say something of it. Uh, you know, uh, as as Christians, we we rightly emphasize the word and the sacraments as God's means of grace. Prayer is not a means of grace, and it's important for us to to, to make that clear. And yet, certainly, uh, the Christian should rejoice uh, with prayer, or in, in prayer. And, and, you know, as, the, uh, as Luther's um, introduction to the Lord's Prayer says it so well, we should approach prayer with boldness and confidence. Uh, we should love uh, the prayer life. And that's hard to do, because to be perfectly honest, and this sort of gets us into the habit of prayer and into the customs of prayer, uh, at first, if, if, if one does not have much of a prayer life, to start a prayer life can be sort of difficult because it's awkward. Uh, it's awkward because we think, well, you know, I, I, I know that God is, quote unquote, out there, but I don't really feel his presence. And so am I just speaking to myself? Uh, do I just do I just pray in my head because I'm the only supposedly the only one in the room? Do I pray out loud because then then it's awkward because I'm I'm the only one? And so the, there there is an awkwardness to the prayer life which shows our sinful tendencies to perhaps uh, not have the strength of faith in God that we claim to have or that we would like to have. And that's and and it's okay that we have to acknowledge that regarding ourselves. We're sinners, uh, but but rather to say okay. Nevertheless, God commands me to pray if the old Adam doesn't want to. He commands me to pray precisely because he promises to hear my prayer. And therefore, even if it's awkward at first, even if I don't feel like I'm good at it at first, that's not really the point. The point isn't how good I am. The point is that I can come before God because I have Christ interceding for me. Uh, and and so we, we we have great reason to rejoice in and and. Uh, study even more uh, the the beauty of prayer as the scriptures teach it. So pastor, let's get into this. And my encouragement for your listeners today is that when I do these, when I read these prayers from the Luther Small Catechism, I want to treat it as we are praying on the program today. And I would encourage you to look at Luther Small Catechism, which we'll be following with explanation, which is the 2017 version from, from Concordia Publishing House, the daily prayer section, which is on page 30. And we'll begin in morning prayer, as it says, in the morning when you get up, make the sign of the Holy Cross. And we do the same in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. 
the sections that are added right after the Trinitarian uh, beginning, it says, then kneeling or standing, repeat the creed and the Lord's prayer. If you choose, you may also add this little prayer. And then finally, at the end, then go joyfully to your work, singing a hymn like that of the Ten Commandments and whatever your devotion may suggest. Pastor, I want to start this way and just say there's so much optimism in the morning prayer. Where else? Do, what else do you want to highlight? Yeah, you're right. I think that's a great way to 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 separate the morning prayer from the evening prayer. To be honest, is that the the morning prayer is very optimistic and the evening prayer is very realistic. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but but uh, you know, I I think that that when we study this section on daily prayers, it is good for the for the reader and and let's just say the novice prayer, right? If if you're trying to start your prayer life, it's good to see that that Luther says, you know what, I'm I'm going to even give you some suggestions on 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 bodily discipline uh that that you might uh uh you know sort of conform everything to a very particular pattern so that you don't have to worry about whether or not uh you're coming up with your own designs and and doing everything in some grand way uh you know we don't we don't have to be uh we don't have to be great at praying uh, as we've sort of already mm-hmm. highlighted uh, uh, we don't have to think that prayer is something that belongs to, if you will, the monastics, and and that those people who are just dedicated to praying, you know, fifteen, twenty hours a day, are are really the good people at praying. No, uh, rather Luther starts us simple, and he says, you know what, just just pray these things. And so he gives us he gives us one, he gives us bodily discipline, but two, uh, he also then uh, points out to us that we should just start with what we've already learned in the catechism. Uh, repeat the creed and the Lord's prayer, right? Every, all Christians know that. Uh, and any any Lutheran who's been through confirmation knows the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's prayer, uh, and and can start there. And if you're doing that, if you're praying the uh, uh, the Lord's prayer a few times a day, that is a prayer life. No one should feel apologetic about using the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. What better prayer is there? Uh, and, and yet sometimes I think the Christian feels that if they're using the Lord's Prayer, it doesn't count, that maybe they don't have a, a good enough prayer life because they don't have all of these, what we refer to as ex corde prayers, prayers sort of, if you will, genuinely from the heart, and I'm simply repeating words that I already know. But there's a reason that, Lord, that the Lord gives you words to pray, so that he can conform your will to his will, so that you're not praying for stuff uh, that that is, in a sense, um, so far outside his will that it's, in a sense, a waste of time. Prayer is never a waste of time. But you get the idea. If you if you if you if you stick with his words that he gave you, how can you improve upon that? And so so every Christian should take great confidence and comfort that Luther says, "All right, well, let's start with the creed and the Lord's prayer." Uh, the creed, uh, uh, you know, as we've studied the catechism, it teaches us that we have a God who created, redeemed, and sanctifies us, uh, and and therefore that God, being such a loving God, we can with we can come before Him with boldness and confidence, and therefore the creed and the Lord's prayer, and if you do those two things, great, you're you're off to a wonderful start in a prayer life, and then like you say, you can add this little prayer which is a, a great little prayer of optimism uh, for the day ahead. Uh, and maybe when we get to the evening prayer, it'll be a little bit easier to sort of compare and contrast the details with, within these prayers. Uh, uh, maybe, for, maybe for the morning prayer, we'd simply say this, if we notice the theology of the morning prayer, uh, that, we, that you have kept me from all harm and danger. You don't really think about that at night. 
right? Especially in the 21st century, we're all safeguarded by our, our safety security systems and our, and our locked front doors and all this. But, you know, I, I say this to my confirmands every year, and, and maybe I've mentioned this on uh, uh, other occasions, but uh, it's sort of weird to think about that when you're sleeping at night, when you're laying down in your bed, what is the rest of the neighborhood around you doing? It's doing exactly the same thing. Right. I, the, the rest of the state around you, you live in Minnesota. I live in Illinois. Uh, we're in the same time zone. Everyone between you and me is doing the same thing at the at the dark hours of the night. We're just laying there lifeless. And, and it depends upon God's protection to see the whole creation through the night, uh, because uh, obviously we're not up and about uh, protecting ourselves. And, and so what a wonderful inclusion that Luther uh, includes here that, yes, even at night, it is God who protects me from all harm and danger. Uh, and then I can pray that he would keep me this day also from sin and every evil. So notice right away uh, where Luther uh, uh, points to this is, I desire a sanctified life. I desire a life that is free from sin. I desire the new, ma- the, 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 uh, new Adam to overcome the old Adam. And I pray God's help in that in the day, in the day ahead. Uh, and as he even says, that all my doings in life may please you because the holy will of God is good. Uh, as Paul says in Romans, uh, I agree with the law that it is good. And this again shows sort of that conforming reality in prayer, that it, through these words, Luther is teaching us that we desire our daily life ahead to be conformed to the will of God. So notice that we do not use prayer just to say to God, here's what I want today, God, and I expect you to give it to me. Uh, but rather we use prayer to say, uh, Lord, I, I desire your will. And so uh, teach me and lead me and keep me in your will. So it's a, it's a wonderful prayer uh, to, to start the day, uh, commending all of ourselves um, uh, into God's uh, uh, care, uh, knowing that his holy angels will be with us uh, so that the evil foe uh, does not have any power over us. There's a ton that we can go through in this. And I I just want to highlight one reality, and then we have to get to our break, is that when we're able to get up in the morning, we realize that we can give thanks, as you mentioned in Philippians 4, uh, that we're able to give prayer and supplications with thanksgiving. I heard one time heard a pastor speak about how he was sitting with a member who was always nervous that his daughter was traveling to see him. And when she would come, he would just be nervous for hours and then she would leave. And then he'd be nervous about her leaving. And then, I mean, the whole life was just nerve wracking. And he said, well, what do you do when she comes? He said, pray. And he said, what do you do when she arrives? And he's, well, I'm joyful. And he said, well, then how about we give a prayer of thanks? Because today the Lord has answered that prayer. And I'm thinking now in the morning, I need to wake up. And just give thanks that, Lord, you've kept me this night from all harm and danger. Uh, uh, Psalm 4, 8, and I would encourage you, our listeners, that reflects God's word so much. Psalm 4, 8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. It is so full of this, just thinking about how much we can give thanks because of what Christ has already done for us, interceding for us and continually praying for us and we pray for others. So pastor, we need to take our break right now though, um, because we could spend all day. We are studying the daily prayers and Luther's small catechism with pastor Mark Bestel and we'll be right back. Iron sharpens iron. 
and one man sharpens another. Put this wisdom of God into practice by listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple, and faithful pastors from around the world help sharpen my faith in Christ every episode. I know you'll be blessed by listening and studying God's Word with us. Listen to Sharper Iron weekdays at 8 a.m. on KFUO and on demand at KFUO.org, the KFUO radio app, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We are studying the daily prayers in Luther's small catechism, which is actually section two of Luther's small catechism. That's something I've learned too as I've studied this. I don't think I've ever put uh, the small catechism into sections, but they are. We are in section two with Pastor Mark Bestel of Calvary Lutheran Church in Elgin, Illinois. Pastor, I think we should just pray the evening prayer, and then we can, as you said, compare and contrast and to see it through that lens. So let us pray the evening prayer, page 31 of Luther's Small Catechism. In the evening when you go to bed, make the sign of the Holy Cross and say, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. As it mentions, too, the side notes, after the Trinitarian beginning, then kneeling or standing, repeat the creed in the Lord's Prayer. And if you choose, you may also say this little prayer. And at the end, I love these words, then go to sleep at once and in good cheer. Pastor, as we mentioned, morning prayer, optimistic, evening prayer, realistic. How would you compare the two or highlight what's in the evening prayer? Sure. I think the uh, comparison between the two is a wonderful one because the, the little word differences matter. Uh, notice that that when you compare the two, the morning prayer and the evening prayer both start with the sign of the cross. Uh, the morning prayer, you, you wake up, you wake up a baptized child of God. Uh, as you go through the day and you um, uh, end the day with the evening prayer, you are still a baptized child of God, and that's great comfort. Mm. And 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 yet in the evening prayer, realistically, uh, the little word choices point out that that um, we have we have not lived everything as uh, or all of life as a as a uh, baptized child of God. We have spent some of the day uh, not doing God's will and failing in our uh, desire to be um, nothing but a new Adam. And so that one little word that is added in the second line that is not in the first uh, or not in the morning prayer. Um, I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. Uh, that's that word graciously is not in the morning prayer. Uh, but but it, it just goes to the it just goes to the reality of of how our daily life tends to go, right? Our daily life tends to go where it's full of sin. We look in the mirror, we realize I woke up this morning thinking that I would be um, a great Christian for Jesus, and that's just not the, sadly the reality. Uh, that I, that at the end of the day, I still need to pray for forgiveness every day. I need to pray for forgiveness. And so I thank you that you have graciously kept me this day. By God's grace, I have gotten through the day, not by my merits or my or my works. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong. Notice the 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 um, the reality of the evening prayer uh, is that if I look back on my day, I have to be honest. I have to be honest about the reality of sin in my day. Uh, and so um, 
Forgive me where I've done wrong and graciously keep me this night. Again, commending myself, my body and soul and all things to God's good care. Again, knowing that uh, he has promised his, old, his holy angel will be with me. Matthew chapter 18 talks about the idea that uh, the, the angels of, of Christ's little ones uh, are always before the face of the Father in heaven. Uh, uh, and, and knowing, therefore, that the evil one will have no power over me. The other little comparison that I'd like to make with this is, like you say, that, that uh, joyous little phrase at the end and compare that with the joyous phrase at the end of the morning prayer. You mentioned at the break, Brady, as we were going to break, you mentioned the Psalms. Uh, remember, uh, remember uh, listener, that the Psalms were the hymn book of the Old Testament, and yet we think of the Psalms as prayers. We should think of our hymns as prayers, that, you, that we can sing prayers of thanksgiving, uh, uh, we can sing prayers of praise, praise to the Lord the Almighty. Uh, uh, praise my soul, the King of Heaven. Uh, you know the different hymns in in uh, the Lutheran service book uh, that are in that praise section or that praise and thanksgiving section are wonderful hymns of praise. Of course, you also have hymns that implore and hymns that petition and hymns that have that are complaints, if you will, and hymns that confess sins. And so, if you want to learn how to pray, if you will, on the go, memorize some hymns. And just learn the hymns, because the hymns stick with you better than, if you will, spoken words of prayer do. But also understand, if you are someone who just naturally likes to sing or likes to hum and meditate on words, I, my, my family jokes with me that I hum all the time, and yet you're, you're, you're humming the hymnody, the words of which you know. And so in a way, it makes it simple to be praying throughout the day. Right when you hear those words from Scripture, words like "pray without ceasing," everyone just feels completely at a loss. How in the world do I do I pray without ceasing? Well, Luther sort of answers that for us. Go flee, go, go joyfully to your work, singing a hymn, because the hymns teach, the hymns conform us to God's will, the hymns praise, the hymns make petition. But now, when you go to bed, now the time for singing, the time for humming, the time for all of that stuff is over. And when you pray and you pray for forgiveness, then you just go straight to bed. Notice the hymn that Luther uh, encourages uh, in the morning is to think of the Ten Commandments, because the Ten Commandments are the good and holy will of God to conform your daily life to the will of God. But if you're going to think of the Ten Commandments at the end of the day, you're just going to be so burdened by your sins that you're never going to get to go to sleep. Uh, and so instead of thinking of those at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we pray for thanksgiving. We pray with boldness and confidence because God, we know that God loves us and that Christ intercedes for us. And therefore, we can go to sleep at once and in good cheer. We don't have to uh, have restless nights like the psalmist talks about, uh, lay, laying awake and, and, and uh, you know, feeling completely at a loss because of our sins. But rather, we can go to sleep and be of good cheer because we know that we sleep uh, in the gracious arms of our loving Father. I think about this with, uh, for example, the evening prayer service um, or the morning prayer services that we have in our uh, the offices in the Lutheran service book. And I think about, I remember one time Dr. Just, who was a professor at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, that he did a whole talk on Abide With Me. And I think this is an appropriate one for us to pray at night because there's times when it gets dark out and you start thinking, 
boy, I'm alone here. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm no longer, you know, I, I am, I am at a loss. And the words that are said, for example, in this hymn, which I think most people know this one, if you don't, then please look at it once again, but abide with me fast falls the even tide. The darkness deepens Lord with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee help of the helpless. Oh, abide with me. I feel like that first stanza summarizes, summarizes the evening prayer. Just saying, Lord, abide with me, for the night is is fast coming. Um, I have sinned. Lord, abide with me and forgive me. Lord, abide with me and graciously keep me this night. And so you lie down with comfort, but you also lie down with a little bit of anxiety. And that's where this, the peace of God, right, that you mentioned before from Philippians 4, really surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. I mean, it connects so beautifully to both these hymns as we look at them very thoroughly. So my encouragement, listeners, pray these prayers. And because I have done it many, many times with with my kids, my wife and I, we've done it at the dinner table just because it was hard to do it right before they went to bed. We've done it so many times. And just today, I'm noticing things that I have never quite contemplated quite yet. So, Pastor, before we get to the next section of prayers, how do you want to highlight the morning evening prayer? You have more for us? I, I think what you just said is exactly right. I think uh, uh, to, to, to learn the prayers, to use the prayers, and the more you use them, the more you appreciate the richness of these, of these little prayers. Um, again, you can't go wrong uh, with the Lord's Prayer, and, and uh, as Luther uh, points out with these different prayers, uh, you know, he talks about using these in conjunction with the Lord's Prayer. Everything is built on the foundation of the Lord's Prayer. So uh, when you use the morning prayer and the evening prayer, you're not replacing the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and yet, uh, built on the theology of the Lord's Prayer, these are just wonderful prayers. And and uh, you don't have to feel that you need to come up with your own prayer. Now, again, the, 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 the listener should take great comfort in knowing that if you've got something that you very particularly want to pray about, by all means, uh, you don't have to use the form, if you will, of the morning prayer or the evening prayer or even of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, so if you've got something very particular, a spouse is sick, uh, a parent is dying, whatever it is, then by all means, you can come before the Lord and simply blurt out uh, uh, the words, uh, you know, Lord, Lord, help me. Uh, um, but uh, when we know not what to pray, uh, and, and that, that hymn in the hymnal is another wonderful one, right? Hear us, Father, when we pray. Uh, that's, a, that's a wonderful hymn. But when we know not what to pray, then just go back to the catechism and go back to the Lord's Prayer and go back to the morning prayer and the evening prayer. And those prayers will, will do a wonderful job of shaping and carrying the prayer life. So, Pastor, I, there's, there's a lot more that we could highlight with both of these. But I, I do want to say this, like for our family, something that we really got in the habit of, and I want, I want to ask you a little bit of the piety of, of being able to incorporate this into uh, different ways. For us, we had a very difficult time to do it at night. Kids are going all over the place, you know, now, especially my kids are teenagers mainly. And so it's hard. I mean, they're going to bed after me. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I'm exhausted. How does this all work? Anyways, but one thing we did is we incorporated this into our prayer after dinner, 
we would incorporate the blessings that we will be talking about, but also we incorporated at the end as we prayed for family and prayed for others and would end with the evening prayer. Any other ideas you have of incorporating morning and evening prayer and the different instructions we receive into the daily life? Sure. I think you're, you're right to continually refer to it as a prayer life. Sometimes we refer to it as a devotional life, and there's nothing wrong with that term, but I like the pr- term prayer life more. It just keeps us focused on, on our dependence upon God uh, uh, rather than uh, trying to prove how devoted, if you will, that we are to Him. So our dependence upon God in the prayer life. In our household, our household is a homeschooling family, and so uh, other than me having to get to church uh, uh, to uh, you know start visiting with people and things like that, our schedule is flexible enough where we can meet in the mornings. So we do uh, a, a you know around the breakfast table, we incorporate these things into uh, morning prayers. Uh, and for the listener, I would simply say morning prayers and, and quote unquote devotions can be very simple, can't they? It can be it can be exactly doing right here what Luther says. When we meet as a family, uh, we uh, will meet and we'll uh, we'll sing the opening sentences of Matins, and then we'll sing the hymn of the week from from church, whatever the sermon hymn was from the week. We'll break that into verses and maybe sing a verse each day, uh, and then we'll uh, read uh, from the scriptures. And then we'll say the creed, the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, the morning prayer, and go on our way. The, the whole thing takes 10, 15 minutes at, at very most. So if a family can carve out that time in the morning, now some families can't, some households can't, uh, husbands and wives are running off to work, kids are off to school, uh, all those different things, uh, then, then you know, find a different time in the afternoon or the evening and defend the time. I think that's the biggest key to all of this is that we allow society to tell us, uh, you know, what time frames we have available rather than saying, no, this is something that I need to be, to use the word devoted to, and, and I'm going to try and, and begin and carry on this prayer life in whatever time frame is beneficial for our family together to, to gather together, which is a good segue into the table prayers, right? If, 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 if we can get back to those days, those quote unquote good old days in which families actually ate meals around the table together, then even if you don't have time in the morning or at night to have these morning and evening prayers, you can, as you rightly said, Brady, you can incorporate it right into your time as a family uh, at the dinner table. Well, and as we end in there in the the dinner table, let's get to the next page, which is page 32. And once again, for you, our listeners, I would encourage you to go back as we are looking at these specifics of prayer to go back to the, the Lord's Prayer and the petitions that we covered prior to this study. And I look forward to the next time on Concord Matters, we go through the small catechism because this is so enriching to me. But page 32, uh, we now get to asking a blessing and returning thanks. And it might surprise you as listeners that it does not include come Lord Jesus, be our guest. But that's a whole maybe another conversation for another time. But it goes like this, asking a blessing. The children and members of the household shall go to the table reverently, fold in their hands and say, the eyes of all look to you, O Lord, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Then shall be said the Lord's Prayer and the following. Lord God, Heavenly Father, bless us in these your gifts, which we receive from your bountiful goodness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Pastor, there's a few things in here that are good for us to remember, but also, well, reality hits. For example, uh, 
Children and members of the household should go to the table reverently. Well, Lord have mercy, that does not always happen in my home. I'm not sure about yours, but it's great instructions for us because we're literally praying God's word. Your thoughts on asking a blessing? Yeah, that's a great word to start with, this idea of reverently. Just as there is sort of a bodily discipline that that comes with piety, right? Piety is not just something of the heart, uh, uh, but rather piety is also for the whole body. And so just as with the morning and evening prayer, Luther says, all right, we make the sign of the cross. We, we perhaps kneel or stand. And why do we kneel or stand? But to be reminded that we are in the presence of God. Uh, and, and therefore, in the same way, when you come to the dinner table, why would you come reverently? Because ultimately what is placed on the table is God's gift to you. Uh, and therefore, it is to be received rightly uh, uh, with due reverence for the one who has given it. Uh, uh, this feast uh, that is before you each meal has the same divine source, even though a temporal benefit, but the same divine source from him who gives the eternal benefit in the greater feast uh, every Lord's day. And so the connection of the tables, uh, in a sense, uh, between the temporal uh, food and the eternal food, nevertheless, that should, that should remind us that, yeah, we should come before God with reverence and we should receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. Uh, and therefore, then, you, you start in with the psalm, a wonderful proclamation of God's proper and properly timed provision to all. Notice that. I think that's a really important thing uh, for, for folks to keep in mind when we talk about daily bread and when we talk about God God's provision. Notice that the psalm says, The eyes of all look to you, O Lord, and you give them their food at the proper time. Uh, so we can come with patience. We can come with reverence. Uh, you know, we don't uh, need to come and uh, shovel in the food as if there will be no food tomorrow. Uh, we don't even, you know, we don't come as the Israelites. Remember how the Israelites uh, tried to take their daily bread, but not, not uh, um, in a sense at the proper time. They tried to take more than what they needed for that day, and the Lord chastised them for that and, and turned the daily bread into maggots. Uh, and so, mm -hmm. uh, and so, in the same way, we can look at this gift before us. We can thank God for what it is rather than grumbling for what it isn't. Uh, uh, you know, we, we are, to be honest, here as we talk about this, we are in economic times in which it's probably pretty likely that some of our listeners don't have quite as much food on the table as they might have had on the table a few years ago. Either that or they have the same amount of food, but they're paying a lot more for it. Mm. Uh, and, and so when we go through, uh, if you will, lean economic times, uh, it's it's still right to come reverently and say, the Lord provides me all that I need for this body and life. He doesn't always promise to provide me so that I can just gorge myself uh, and, and have whatever feast I want. But the feast that he sets before me is the feast that is is proper for this time. And he opens his hand and therefore he satisfies my desire by conforming my will to his will so that I can receive this food with thanksgiving rather than uh, receiving it begrudgingly or bitterly because it's not the quantity or the quality that I want it to be. Um, then, of course, you include the Lord's Prayer. Again, notice the inclusion of the Lord's Again. Prayer. We can talk more about that. And then and then the table prayer, as, as you've rightly said. And that's so important for us to be reminded of this. And that's why when I go back to the story of this father, who'd be so nervous before his daughter would arrive and so nervous when she left that he didn't, he didn't enjoy the time she was there. Didn't give thanks to the Lord for this. And how often is it for us, especially as parents, 
there's like maybe there are some lean times or you're not able to do certain things for your family, how it can just break your heart, which is why these words fill us with this grace. You know, the, um, uh, the, the, the graciousness that we have in the evening prayer that you've graciously kept me this day. And here you're able to see, see all of this is still a gift and the Lord has provided today. So we're not worried about what was, we're not worried about what will be, but we're right now giving thanks for what he has given because uh, these are your gifts, which we receive from your bountiful goodness, something we do not deserve whatsoever, but you graciously give it to us as your redeemed children. Pastor, any other maybe practical thoughts about asking a blessing before? As I said, it doesn't always quite happen this way that we reverently come to the table, but yet we do want to challenge ourselves. Other thoughts we have of practical nature of asking a blessing? Well, I think in terms of the practice of it, I think it's good for the head of the household, as Luther says here, the head of the, the family should teach his family uh, to uh, ask a blessing. Uh, and and it, I think it's good for the children to hear the father of the household pray. Uh, it's good for them to hear the dad pray because it shows them that he too is dependent upon God, uh, that, that uh, he too has bold confidence in God. Uh, and so from a very practical standpoint, I think it's very helpful for the children uh, to hear the father pray, uh, to, to uh, again, for the family to gather together, not just to pray individually in your own heads. Now, sometimes when we're busy, we all will do that as a family where, where uh, maybe we have a night where we're not eating as a family or, or it's sort of a buffet style because we're on the go and we got to get somewhere quickly. And we'll just say to the kids, all right, you know, pray on your own. Well, that's okay every now and then. Nothing wrong with that. Teach them to pray on their own. But it's really beneficial for them to, to see mom and dad depend upon God being gracious and to know that mom and dad live this reality too. And it's not just something we're teaching to children, that children then eventually outgrow. But, but you never outgrow the prayer life. You never outgo, outgrow God's provision uh, and God's grace. You're always joyfully depending upon it. And so for your children to see that from a young age is a wonderful gift for them. Well, let's continue on. We have about six, seven minutes left in our time. We get to returning thanks on page 32. Also, after eating, they shall in like manner, reverently and with folded hands say, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. We thank you, Lord God, Heavenly Father, for all your benefits through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. As it mentions uh, also that it adds the Lord's Prayer once again. Pastor, with just over five minutes left in our time, we want to make sure this is an important piece too, because often... Um, I grew up with, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. And then you ran away. You didn't want to do the dishes or something. Tell us about <laughs> returning thanks and the importance in the Christian life. Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, you know, we, we do include that uh, that first line uh, in, in uh, returning thanks. I think learning those other lines would be so helpful for folks uh, because yeah. they, they really show uh, the confession that everything 
depends upon God's provision, God's mercy, God's grace. He provides food for the cattle and the young ravens, right? God over all creation, uh, he alone makes all things live, breathe, have their being. Think of how Jesus says uh, that God provides for the lilies and for the birds. And, and uh, uh, you know, how much more valuable is the Christian to God than the birds uh, or the lilies? Uh, and, and so we ought return thanks, saying, yes, God has, has shown that he provides not just for the lilies and the birds and not just for the cattle and the ravens, but he provides also for me. Um, then it goes on, interestingly, in that psalm, and it says, His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. In other words, why would we, now well-fed and nourished by God himself, why would we turn our attention to hoping in such things like the strength of the horse or the legs of a man or whatever the world promises us? We've just been cared for by God as he promises to do, as he has taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. So he has delivered on his promise. Why would we now, to your point, Brady, to your illustration, why would we run from the table to those things that are supposedly more important uh, because uh, I don't want to help care for the family, but rather uh, my, my little idol is my video game that's waiting for me or whatever it is. Why would we now run away and scurry away as if the real important stuff has been waiting for me, but I had to come eat because otherwise the food would get cold? No, God has just provided for us and, and, and we should return thanks. We should learn in true piety uh, to return thanks uh, uh, for his provision. Then as it says there, as you hinted at again, the Lord's Prayer. Now think about this. Think about how many times in a day the Lord then gives us to pray the Lord's Prayer, or, or Luther at least encourages, encourages us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Typically in our society, maybe not in Luther's, maybe not in ancient days, typically in our society we eat, let's say, three meals a day, okay? If you are saying the Lord's Prayer with the morning prayer, with the evening prayer, and before and after each meal, that is eight times a day, you are praying the Lord's Prayer, which maybe it's simply coincidence, and that's fine if it is, but it can't. I can't help but think about the theology of the number eight and the new man, right, wow. the new creation. Uh, and so if I'm praying the Lord's Prayer eight times a day, uh, uh, their friends is a prayer life. Don't let anybody tell you that you are not involved in a prayer life if you are praying the Lord's Prayer, uh, uh, making your petitions known to God with thanksgiving, and, and having that those holy words of Jesus conform your will to God's will eight times a day, what a wonderful prayer life, even if you never, ever, ever add anything to it. Amen to that. I, you know, as you, as you look at everything that is proclaimed and the beauty of the blessings, asking a blessing and returning thanks is it's just enriching with God's word. It is, it is saturated with God's word. And it reminds us of how we can very easily get to the point where we get done with the meal and we say, thank you to maybe, maybe you and they made the meal, your wife did, or for us are some of our daughter, our daughters will make the meal sometimes and we give thanks to them. Right. And then, then we start getting close into this. We will, our pleasures in the strength of the horse, we, we, our pleasures in ourselves, our, what we did or what someone else did or what, the, what all this. And the person we forget is to give thanks 
to the Lord. And so all the benefits that he gives to us, we often will think because of me that this has been done. And in turn, then we lose sight of the opportunity to serve our family after all these benefits he's given to us. So pastor, these bring us right back to that daily vocation as the baptized, the redeemed, the loved by God in Christ and our opportunity to serve. Prayer leads to those opportunities. Prayer reminds us our relationship with him. And that is all throughout our daily prayers that Luther gives to us today. Pastor, with about a minute left in our time, uh, how do you want to summarize our time and point us back to Christ? I think maybe a great way to summarize it uh, is actually the very last words of returning thanks. Uh, that notice that the very last thing it tells us, or, or that it teaches us to pray, uh, is that we thank God for all of his benefits because, to summarize, to him belongs all glory, right? Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Very similar phrase to what we often uh, end the prayer of the church with, because all good things come from above, uh, all good gifts come from God, but also all glory belongs to God. There is only one true God. There is one king above all creation. Uh, our God is it. Uh, and therefore, what boldness and confidence we can have in prayer precisely because ours is the God of all glory. Ours is the God who cares for all of creation, who created it, who redeemed us, who sanctifies us. And therefore, with what boldness and confidence we can have uh, and, and, and establish and keep a prayer life, knowing to whom we pray, through whom we pray, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray, uh, and, and therefore, what joy in learning to pray. Pastor Mark Bestel of Calvary Lutheran Church in Elgin, Illinois, clearly confessing Christ from the small catechism when it comes to our daily prayer life. Pastor Bestel, thank you for bringing us his gifts. Thanks for having me, Brady. I'm your host, Brady Finner. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe.